we have should we have him lead in since he's since you're the like returning hero from Odysseus it's like Odysseus's moment right doesn't he <laughs> doesn't he hit the beach and then give a big speech or something is this the hero's journey of a podcast <laughs> welcome back JJ <laughs> hello that's JJ Michael's here hey everybody I'm Andy this is we were gamers episode God knows and <laughs> <laughs> same podcast and change <laughs> no I just I'm always one behind or ahead, and I just I don't want to be wrong. It's all good. You're back, buddy. Yeah, I made it. Uh, I was on vacation uh, for quite a while there, uh, and then the holidays also uh, showed up there, uh, you know, as they do at the end of every year. Generally. Yep. Uh, <laughs> most years. You know, 2018 was quite a year, so who knew? Uh, you could never be sure. You cannot. You're true. Yeah. We'll see. 2019 could be the same. Who knows? Who can't say? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, everything. Uh, I am doing well uh, back in uh, this time zone and on this podcast. On this continent? On this hemisphere? On this? Hmm. I think I actually was on this hemisphere the whole time. Wait, because there's northern and eastern and western. Oh, okay. Sure. The spheres work like that. Yeah. Do- Wait, what? No, they do. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. You're right. I hadn't thought about the eastern and western part. I don't know where the prime meridian is. You crossed it because you crossed the dateline. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that the prime meridian goes down the dateline on the other side of the map. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Exciting talk about geography here on We Were Gamers, a podcast about maps. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wonderful. I love maps. Uh, if anyone else loves maps, there's a guy out there uh, at X. Isn't it XKCD that also loves maps? Yeah, yes. he, has, he has he has opinions about maps. Strong. Mercator projection is bad, you all. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. So it's we, we kind of we didn't say what it was, but you're back. You said vacation. Where? When? Uh, how? How many? How long? Uh, it was extremely wonderful. Uh, my wife and I were able to finagle our schedules around the holidays such that we were able to take a honeymoon for, uh, it was more than 20 days. I don't, it was like 23 or something. So three, three weeks at least. Yeah, three weeks. And then like a day of travel on either end or something like that. Uh, and we, flew from uh he- here in southern california out to tokyo japan where we stayed for a few days wonderful uh, did you get to see any live mario kart racing no oh wait yes we did see some people on those go-karts they yes. weren't dressed up like mario people though oh, uh, one sorry. person the girl had on a pink dress but it wasn't like it was subtle peach got it yeah i think the people the Japanese people we saw gave them dirty looks. So. Oh yeah, they're trying to shut that thing down. They don't they don't particularly like that. Uh but we got to have dinner with a friend of the podcast uh Brendan Pritchard uh at Sony Entertainment. That was Ooh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. A uh, good friend of mine uh and Andy's probably from high school. Oh yeah. Sweet. Showed you the uh, town. Yeah, a little bit or well, he showed us this really sweet dinner spot. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, we just kind of explored Tokyo a little bit on our own. We were only there for three days. Um, the way the flights had worked, our next destination was going to cause us like a 16-hour layover. And instead of that, we're like, what if we just got a hotel for two days instead? <laughs> that's uh, probably the that's best option. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's too long. Um, no. So that's what we did. Uh, and it was nice. You know, we saw some stuff. Uh, we went to the robot restaurant, which everyone that goes to Tokyo should go to. It's extremely stupid, but very fun. <laughs> it's literally the only thing I think that uh, when I got back from Japan, people asked me about. It. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then uh, <laughs> looked at it later and said, "What?" Yeah, that's that's pretty much the right response. You you go and then you leave, and you're like, "What did I just?" Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sensory experience. It is. Yeah, it really is. It's almost completely inexplicable. 
Uh, I could t- I could tell you you could go look at pictures of it on the internet. They have a website. It's on TripAdvisor and all that stuff. So uh, go check it out. But it's certainly worth going to. Uh, it's definitely an experience. Don't don't get the food. It's real bad. Oh no. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, we didn't get the food because everyone told us it was bad. Like uh, so you know, just go for drinks. Yeah. Medieval times situation. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those. Okay. It's definitely like they provide dinner and a show, but like. And then they sell concessions and intermissions. But, you know, you could just not get food and, and buy drinks and have a better time. <laughs> awesome. So that's my recommendation. Yeah. Uh, and from there, we hopped on a flight. Which, by the way, do you guys know that from Tokyo to Thailand, it is a seven-hour flight? That's really far. Really? Hmm. I didn't realize that was so far away. That's I, a lot of plane flight. Well, I think about well, I guess that. You're, you're covering a, a large swath of china or india depending on which way you go yeah it's kind of like not small countries it's like down and across a lot so anyway that was surprising to me how far it was uh but we we landed in bangkok the capital i believe uh and were there for several days as well uh toured some of the uh the old stuff uh (laughs) i like to call it the old stuff yeah, you know, like when I go on vacations, I like to see all the famous old things, you know, the, the ancient history, the uh-huh. architecture, the museums, whatever cool stuff they have there. And uh, in Bangkok, there's this really famous temple called the Grand Palace, which is also serves as like the the palace for the king, uh, you know, ceremonial king, just like, you know, England has a king. They also have a king, but like, you know, he also doesn't matter in the same way that England's queen doesn't matter. Uh, and we got to go see that. It was very cool. Uh, we had a tour guide with us so that made it, you know, you could ask them and he spoke English really well and had like, you know, conversations about what it was. And we saw the Emerald Buddha, which is a famous, um, Buddha made out of jade though, not Emerald. Didn't we also see a jade Buddha in China called an Emerald Buddha? I would believe that. I'm that pretty sure like we something did. That I would see. Yeah. Uh, they, he gave this whole explanation about why it was called that, and it boiled down to emerald is a better word than jade. So, <laughs> okay, in the local language or, or uh oh, I don't know what it is in the local language. It has a different name. But, oh, okay. You know, what it's referred to as the like, if you tell people the emerald Buddha in Thailand, they know what you're talking about. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I want to I want to derail you for a second here. Yeah, I love being derailed. Okay. <laughs> You're like one of the only three people on the planet, it's and, good and two of them are on this the podcast. Other two I was going to say, I are we the say other it's two? Like literally, all this podcast does. So, yep, yep, very on brand. Yeah, um, I am happy that you like to tour the old stuff. I have yeah. a bad feeling, or not. Mm, I have a sinking feeling, not a bad feeling, but a little bit of the Instagram generation. And internet advice generation where they tour places for the photo. For the gram, as they say. Yeah. Um, And they tour it for the quote-unquote experience of the place, right? So a lot of food, a lot of photo spots, a lot of nightlife. But Mm. seeing some places ancient arts that you cannot see elsewhere right getting the feeling like oh well i can see art anywhere or i can see old buildings anywhere especially if you're from america is not advantageous to cultural development of oneself i think because like the oldest buildings in america are on the east coast right and they're really not that old yeah i mean my Uh, point was just about to say like if you think you can see old things in america you're wrong there aren't any uh, well you could go to the american southwest and maybe find some of the um yeah uh, indigenous yeah or like you can go down into like south america and mexico and see like you know ruins from like the aztecs and stuff that's like as old as you can get right but but thousand year old temples and art that you know it has advanced before people were even living over here you know yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that stuff is cool. And, you know, it, I want to be able to see. And to be fair, I also like going to the nightlife and eating all the food and experiencing the culture. That stuff is absolutely. also fun and an integral part of a good trip. 
but so is going to the museum or seeing the like ancient temples or whatever. Yeah. And I like, feel like a grandparent when I suggest that to people, but I'm, you know, and I'm not Buddhist and neither is my wife, but we saw a lot of Buddhas on this trip. Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, just assume, despite what I won't tell you that every single place we went to, we saw at least one, if not like 15 Buddhas. Okay either made of gold or other precious materials or whatever. Just trust me that that happened every single day. Okay. So you uh, found the people from Hangover 2 in Bangkok? <laughs> yeah. No, not really. Um, but, uh, you know, Bangkok is a big city. Uh, I would say it was probably one of my less favorite destinations. Not that it wasn't nice. Um, it's just that, you know, they have, like, a lot of canals. It was cool to take a tour of their canals and stuff and see how people essentially just use it like a highway they have like water taxis and stuff that was interesting but then they also have like a elevated subway that works just like every other subway system in the world oh okay but is it uh, it's not as wild west as it sometimes looks no bangkok is a big city if you've been to like new york or other big cities around the world paris london that kind of stuff it's it's a big urban city it's not that unusual it definitely has like some Thai flavor that you're not going to get anywhere else. The food is certainly very mm. different. The people are, I feel like a little more uh, like welcoming and stuff, but you know, it's not just, it's not like, Ooh, so exotic. Some of the other places we went are that not, not Bangkok street food. Yes. We ate street food everywhere. We went, uh, all of it was great. Uh, I don't think there was really anything to worry about with that. Standouts. Um, uh, none from, Bangkok. Oh. I'll get to some food later that we really liked, but the uh in general I think that as long as you're if you're worried about the water in a lot of places they just like you will go into the restaurant and they will just set the glass, the empty glass for the water on your table and then give you a bottle of water and open it there and pour it in your glass. So you don't need to worry about that stuff. Yeah. You know, if, if you're worried about the water then just stay away from the ice. Uh and you're pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, nice. So from Bangkok, we then went to Chiang Mai, which is also in Thailand, but a little more northerly and easterly. But it's not in the northern, considered the northern part of the country. It's still kind of central-like. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai is a little more, a little smaller of a town, uh, a little more rural, but not all the way rural. But it's closer to the mountains. Uh, there's a lot more like nature and the jungle and stuff around there. Uh, and I think the most interesting thing we did there was we went to an elephant preserve. Ooh. Ooh, uh, nice. And this elephant preserve is one of these ones where they, the guy doesn't like to say rescue, but they rescue elephants oh. <laughs> from other places where they're being used for like tourism and stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, they let people ride them or they, you know, you know, let people pet them and all that kind of stuff. And they try to rehabilitate them and send them, reintroduce uh, them into the wild where possible. And the ones that are not reintroducible, they hang on they, to? And allow you to then ride and pet and all that stuff. Oh, okay. So uh, we got to ride elephants. Uh, we got to feed them and kind of pet them and stuff. Uh, they do it in what they consider the most humane way. In that there's no, like, basket or thing on top. There's no saddle or whatever. You kind of just sit on the elephant's neck. Um, but only after they, like... So, we, you know, you go around and you feed and pet all the elephants and stuff. And they kind of make sure that the elephants are, like, okay with you before you try and jump ten feet onto their head. <laughs> sure. Because there's no ladders or, like, ropes or really any way to get on the elephant, really. There's, like, one rope that goes around the middle of every elephant, but that's more just so the trainer has, like, something to, like, tell the elephant, hey, like, over here if they really need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's like, oh, well, each elephant was kind of taught slightly differently based on where they rescued it from. So, like, oh, this one bends down and you sort of jump over its trunk. And this one you step on its... Is it an ankle or a knee or whatever? Anyway, leg and do this kind of complicated hop motion and swing over like a horse. And this other one does this other way. So like, you know, it's kind of our little group of five of us here had like a bunch of different ways to try and get on these elephants. Um, you know, and they try to like pair you up with the elephant they think is going to like you the best after you go around and feed and pet all of them. 
um, you know, it was like an all day activity, you know, so we were like feeding them and cleaned them and stuff for two hours. And then we rode for like 10 minutes and then we had lunch and then the elephants had lunch and then we gave them a bath at the end, which was pretty fun. Uh, and by bath, I mean, there was a river and the elephants laid down in the river and you could like wash them and stuff. What is it so like really to cool, wash right? an elephant? Uh, it's hard work. <laughs> just, just cause they're really big. But think it, about, like, think about it though. Like you're, this is the difference between washing my dog who I can kind of squat over so that they can't move and then like getting through scrubbing soap into it as fast as possible and spraying it off and drying it off. Like that, that's a chore at, yep. that you do at home with a domestic animal. Like you walked into a river with a gigantic, Ton, you know, like a something that weighs a ton. ton elephant. Yeah. Yeah. And it's laying down in the water so that it can be immersed, you know? Yeah. And you're like scrubbing it with like a little brush they give you and you're th- dumping water on it and all yeah. this stuff. And it's not the petting the zoo, man. Is, what, what is, I mean, what is the feeling? <laughs> the that you just get? hanging out. I mean, you know, and, uh, it, I don't, it was interesting. Like you, you know, by that point we'd been with the elephants most of the day. So you kind of like figured out which ones you liked and which ones you didn't like. Uh-huh. The little baby elephant that was there is a little jerk. And guy, I, I wanted to use a different word there, um, but it, like you know, I guess the elephant's way of playing is like running into people. So he'll just like run up. Oh, he's and, like a goat, kind of like, like headbutt you almost. Yeah, yeah. goats do yeah. that. That's how he plays. Okay. Well, he's 128 pounds or whatever, and yeah. he's like you know three years old. Yeah, he's gonna knock you over. Yeah, <laughs> I have the same um, problem yeah, with my dad's goat. He wasn't knocking any of us over, but anyway, his mom was uh, one of the elephants that was there, uh, cool. and she was, you know, much calmer and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, it was a, it was a really fun time. Uh, that was a relatively expensive thing that we did while we were on that trip, but it was really cool, and I absolutely recommend it. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily like a kid friendly activity because uh, you can't like take a six year old on an elephant. I don't really know how that would work. Um, but you know, maybe teenagers and older kids would would enjoy it quite a lot. Uh, hey, and there are other things you can do where you don't have to, you know, do that whole experience as well. Right. What well, once to go back one second, uh, when you said jerk and, and you didn't want to say jerk. Yep. Uh, thank you. I want to thank everybody in 2019 here. You, you too, you being everybody for, uh, sticking to our guns on this non E related podcast. 95% of the time, because, um, Man, sometimes it was with my kids home for three weeks over break. Basically couldn't listen to three quarters of the podcasts I normally listen to. So I think it's probably special for a lot of people to be able to listen to stuff that they enjoy with kids around, you know? So thank you both for that. Anyway, uh, not to, again, derail you too much. (laughs) No, it's all right. Uh, Chiang Mai also had a really cool night market that we went to. Ooh, cool. Uh, and that was, it happens almost every day, except for on the weekends, when there is a Sunday night market and a Saturday night market, uh, which are just in different places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like bigger, I guess. Uh, anyway, we had a really great time going to those night markets and stuff. There's tons of street food there that was all really good. We did uh, rolled ice cream, if you guys have ever seen this before. Oh, I yeah. had never seen it. Yeah. Where they like flatten the ice cream out and then like scrape it up into these like rolls i don't know how yeah it's like flash frozen on a giant steel plate yeah yeah Yeah. i had never seen that before that was pretty cool there's Um, only a few places in that i've seen around us that do it uh yeah this is just like a street cart (laughs) it's very strange (laughs) how does he keep it it must be nitrogen or something underneath keeping it that cold on a cart yeah Yeah. i assume uh it was clearly very cold um while it was also very i mean uh, to be clear it was very hot all the time like we're talking, I don't know the conversions, but it was like mid to low 30s Celsius all the time and Ooh. humidity from like wow. 60 to 80% if it wasn't raining. Ooh. It didn't rain too much, um, mostly like a little quick burst and then it was done. The humidity uh, popping out of the air because it was so hot. Yeah, it was very, very warm. Uh, but really beautiful stuff in Chiang Mai. Really, really pretty nature and all kinds of stuff. We went on some hikes that were also really pretty there. Uh, there's some waterfalls and stuff that we saw that were great. Um, so Chiang Mai, highly recommended. Uh, from there, we took a plane to the People's Democratic Republic of Laos, uh, specifically <laughs> the town of Luang Prabang. 
which is so named after a Buddha, which is the Luang Prabang Buddha. So there you go. You can guess that we saw that. Uh, yeah. So Laos is actually was actually one of the surprises of the trip. I thought it was uh, my wife's favorite part, and I really enjoyed it as well because it was just so different from Thailand uh, and Japan at that point. I would think a lot of Americans, especially those that are keen on history, would be maybe apprehensive about going to Laos. Uh, Laos is communist in the same way that China is communist, which means to say that it is capitalist and they want your money. (laughs) With a large (laughs) amount of people benefiting more than others is what you mean. Yes, right. It is... It follows the same one-party system, but with private ownership and all that stuff that China does. Got it. It's just that it is a much smaller landlocked country and therefore is not as prosperous. Also, it's like really small and in the mountains. (laughs) Um, But Luang Prabang itself is like a really small town. Uh, It's on the peninsula between two relatively sizable rivers, the Mekong River and a branch that folds into the Mekong right there at the end of the peninsula, whose name of that river, I forget. Um, but it's, I think, probably the most popular tourist um, town in Laos. Uh, and it's just really cute. It is like a small, quaint little town, and it's kind of sleepy. Everything closes at 1030 at night, because that's when the night market closes. Uh, and it is fantastically cheap. You can live in quite luxurious accommodations in Laos for not a lot of money. Huh. Uh, I mean, like to give you an idea, the exchange rate is 8,500 Laos kip to $1. So, you know, you see stuff listed for like 10,000 and that's like a dollar fifty. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, they're like, oh, this one place has beer for 4,000. You're like, whoa. But what they don't tell you is that it's warm beer. That's how they get you. And they charge you a lot for the ice. Ah. That sounds Um, about right. How many times did you learn that lesson? Uh, Never, because our tour guide told us about it before we (laughs) had it. So what was a – this is an important question. So I know in Tokyo – a beer is is a beer here, right? Or sometimes even more, sometimes less. If you get local beer, it's probably less. Yeah, uh, generally local beer is cheap. Yeah, I would assume Bangkok beer is probably like uh, maybe the, half the lo- price of of U.S. Local beer. Beer in Bangkok is Chang, uh, and it's it's not. It is cheaper. Uh, I would say there was about three hundred baht, which is. Uh, like 300 bought at like kind of an expensive place and you're talking like you know 100 to 200 at a cheaper place uh it's about 30 bought to the dollar 33ish maybe okay um, so not okay. Know, so not cheap not always cheap but, uh Thailand in general was quite a was not the like paradise of cheap things in general that people have sort of made it out to be oh uh, yeah i have heard the same yeah uh, Chiang Mai was less expensive than Bangkok by a decent margin. Um, and when we come back to Thailand at the end of the trip, uh, it also was not cheap there either. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but Laos was quite inexpensive. Um, and I think this was both of our favorite tour guides there. Uh, we took a really, really beautiful hike starting from like a local village. We sort of drove out into the mountain area, uh, and took about like a six mile hike through the jungle to the back of the top of a waterfall. Ooh. Uh, it was the really... The back side like, of water? Uh, no, no, like up the back <laughs> of the, the mountain range to where the top of the waterfall was. Oh, okay. You could, you could hike from the bottom to the top, but we did it the other way. Right. Uh, we you started from the, the bottom, now we're here. Right, but it, the bottom was five miles away. That's, a, uh, yeah, okay. that's the point of that song, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. And the jungle, like, I'm not joking, the jungle was like, you know, the, the trail is wide enough for you and, you know, half of the person uh, with you. And then five feet away is trees and pl- vegetation so thick you can't see. So it was like really, really. Yeah, except for like you come to a place where like, oh, this is a field and they're gro- growing crops here or whatever. But you can see across that. And then at the end of the edge of the field, dense vegetation again. <laughs> 
So uh, it was really amazing. Just a lot of like really pretty views uh, walking in among the mountains there. Uh, and that waterfall was really, really fantastic. Uh, also, a lot of very cool local culture and stuff uh, in Laos. It's just very like a, a lot of our trip felt like it was like, hurry, 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 go see this, go see that. Uh, and Laos was very like low key and peaceful. Uh, so that was very nice. Beautiful. And what uh, was the wait? The, did we miss the local beer there? Uh, the local beer in Laos is named Beer Lao. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, really inventive names in Laos. Uh, and as far as I can tell, uh, there is no other beer other than Beer Lao made in Laos. Well, it's communism, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. Well, in Thailand, uh, we learned that home brewing in Thailand is illegal. Uh, the beer companies have manipulated the laws there to such a degree that no one does that, uh, or they do it illegally. Um, but there was, you could find beer from like Cambodia and China and other places there. In Laos, no, it was beer Lao everywhere. It was just like, which variety of beer Lao did you want? Did you want the beer Lao dark? Did you want the beer Lao hoppy? Did you want the beer Lao gold? Or regular beer Lao? So, so yeah, they're a little bit more communist than China. That's <laughs> what you're uh, saying. It, no, but, you know, it was just, it was amusing because then, of course, well, we got to try all these different ones. Right. They all tasted, they tasted kind of the same. <laughs> different colors. <laughs> the colors were different. I think we eventually settled on liking Beer Loud Dark the best only because it was six and a half percent and all the other ones were five. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, in general, uh, talking about alcohol real quick, in, on this entire area, uh, they don't really do cocktails very well. Mm -mm. Uh, all of Southeast Asia and even Japan, uh, not really areas known for cocktails. So if you're going to go to a cocktail place, make sure you know what kind of cocktails you're getting. Because a lot of them are like like the old highballs where you have like a whiskey and soda, but it's like a shot of whiskey and then half a glass of soda. Oh. And they call that a cocktail, which it is, but also it's not what we think of here as a cocktail. Right. So just be aware of that, everyone uh, out there. And in Japan, drink whiskey because, wow. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of great whiskey in Japan also, by the way. So that was pretty much our time in Laos. It was great. Uh, from there, we went to Siem Reap, Cambodia, Ooh. the home of the famous Angkor Wat Temple mm -hmm. uh, and associated temple areas, uh, which I cannot recommend highly enough. I think that was probably my favorite place on the tour. Uh, we were not there for very long, uh, but I wish we had stayed longer because everything there was also pretty cheap uh, and it was wonderful. So, And uh, that's again, maybe one of the places where you can stand in a temple for hours or no? Totally could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Angkor Wat itself is massive. The building is quite big. Yeah. There's a park around it. Uh, it's inside like a national park, which is like 50 kilometers or something. It's gigantic, the whole area. But it's not the only temple in there that is, you know, part of this natural park. Uh, there's also Angkor Thom, which is like an even bigger area. Um, but there's like multiple famous temples inside that area. Uh, but Angkor Wat is kind of the, the most famous one, the old wonder of the world, the thing that people kind of have, you've seen pictures of it, even if you didn't know you have. Um, and it's huge, like, and they just let you like kind of walk inside it, which I thought was pretty crazy. If you go to museums and stuff uh, here in the West, I feel like a lot of the paintings are kind of like, here's the rope. You stand behind the rope this far away and don't take pictures. Uh, no, you like walk up those stone steps and you can touch the pillars and the stuff, but they don't want you to touch the engraved carvings and stuff. But uh, the, you know, the walls and uh, the stone, the literal stone that they walked on all those years ago is still there. Uh, large parts of it have been reconstructed, of course, because it literally was hidden in the jungle until yeah. the 1900s. Jungle intrusion. Yeah, like trees had grown all the way inside and were, you know, all over it. Um, but as a testament to all that stuff, even they didn't have to reconstruct that much of it. And if you're ever curious about is was this part reconstructed or not, you can just look at the color of the stone. And if it looks old... It's original. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Makes the it color easy. looks, if it looks like a nice bright color, like sandstone or cement or something, it's new. <laughs> uh, 
uh, a lot of the like best and the uh, the carvings and stuff that are out there are reproductions, and the originals are in museums and stuff inside uh, the national museums and stuff in Cambodia. Okay, so they they played a little loose because the, a lot of the originals yeah, are still projected. Like, oh, the entire gallery wall is like one giant carving. Okay, they took that one, right? Right. But there's like 800 other carvings on all the like smaller ones on the pillars and stuff and the pediments and stuff. And those are all original. Cool. So uh, really, really awesome. Um, really unbelievable. And this was built in like the 1200s or the 1300s or something like this. It's, and it's still standing perfectly sound. You can go up the spires and walk around up there. What's amazing uh, to me, uh, my wife has also been to uh, Angkor Wat. And uh, what was amazing to me about a lot of her photos of the, surrounding buildings that were somewhat restored but not completely mm -hmm. is that in many places they just left the trees and stuff because it's replaced yep. the building and it's just as structurally sound as it could be if you then tore it down and rebuilt it yep there's a specific temple that i'm sure is the one you're thinking of mm -hmm. uh, where literally it was completely run over by trees there's like a tree growing on top of the building and its roots are like reaching down out in front of it uh, they jokingly call it the Tomb Raider Temple because it was featured in the movie Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, was it? 2001. Uh, Angelina, <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Yep, the old okay. one. The OG. Uh, yeah, so there is literally a shot uh, from that movie that you walk right by the entrance and you're like, yep, that's that tree. This is that shot right here. Oh. Uh, and so it was filmed on site there. I guess they did like 10 days or something uh, in them. Cambodia at the time. Uh, but it's it's a beautiful temple. Just the I forget the name of it. Um, but it's right in that area, like you know, within a very short um bicycle or a car ride from uh, Angkor Wat, where it's just like these trees that have completely overgrown and sort of knocked down, but sort of are supporting these, these galleries and stuff. <laughs> um, very cool. Um, though I, I cannot recommend uh, Cambodia, uh, Siem Reap specifically enough. Uh, it also has a wonderful nightlife, um, tons of really awesome restaurants and bars and stuff to go to. So uh, markets and all that kind of stuff are really cool. Things are relatively cheap there, um, and it's great. So, Cambodia has beer. Yes. Uh, trying to remember what the name of the – I think it's Angkor, A-N-G-K-O-R. Yep. It yep. is. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, it tasted like beer. It very much tastes like beer. <laughs> All of these beers pretty much are beer tasting beers. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, so far of the ones uh, that you have mentioned, the only one that I would have tried would have been Angkor because you can get that here. Uh, there are. Um, oh, I mean, even if you could get beer Lao here, no one would buy it because it tastes too generic. Yeah. Same with Chang, honestly. Yeah, um, but Ching Tao, not, you, you know, can get Ching Tao here. Uh, yeah, that's from China, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Chang. Um, yeah, it's nothing special. I mean, you know, it, there is a, uh, I will give a shout out to, I think the name of it is Miss Wong's. It's a cocktail bar in uh, the kind of pub area. of In, in uh, the vein of real Reed. cocktails or in the vein yes. of, okay. <laughs> in the vein of real, very strong, very good cocktails. Okay. I had a uh, rose lemongrass martini Ooh, Ooh i would have one of those extremely delicious yeah uh all the food by the way everywhere we went was amazing like i cannot talk enough about how great all the food was we ate everything everywhere it was wonderful people you just gotta just try you don't know what that sour fish soup is but it turns out it's amazing like <laughs> you need to have it sometimes um it's yeah, we had this uh, in Laos. We had a lemongrass chicken, which was they took lemongrass reeds and kind of slit them down the middle in such a way as to if you push the two ends towards each other, it would puff out and create a basket in the center. Hmm. You can kind of imagine that. Hmm, okay, uh, and then you okay. stuff the middle full of like um, chicken mixed with a bunch of other stuff. And then you hold it there and you fry it. Wonderful. Uh, and then you then take the lemongrass off and eat the chicken, uh, right. and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really, really good. So um, that was probably my standout food for the trip. Um, and so from Cambodia, we went back to Thailand to Phuket. 
which is a uh, beach area in an island off the coast of Thailand. Uh, and we did not really do much there other than relax. <laughs> as as one should at the very after, end of anything yeah, like this long. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a very touristy area, like very, very high like prices to the point where like things were not that far different from what they are here uh, or more expensive in some cases. So um, we had a really great dinner of barbecued seafood down by the beach, which was wonderful. Um, you know, they just took like a whole blue crab and some tiger prawns and stuff and threw them on a barbecue and then we ate them and it was great. Um, but otherwise just kind of a lot of relaxation and going to the beach and that kind of stuff, uh, there. And then from there, uh, we came back and it was a wonderful time. Uh, I highly recommend that area of the world to everyone. If you want to check it out, I'm happy to talk more about it. Just let me know. Podcasts. Absolutely. Vacation at, we no. What a trip. Yeah. That yeah. sounds awesome, dude. Uh, and as you can imagine, while I was on the road, I did not really get a chance to play too many games. Uh, I listened to some music and played some phone games here and there, but mostly I kind of just unplugged and uh, enjoyed the scenery. So. I think that that would be the only way to take a trip like this is to kind of just leave all your digital stuff behind and just enjoy. Not yeah. completely, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had my I had my phone with me and stuff, but it was on airplane mode, so I was kind of just when we had Wi-Fi, I would like, you know, check in here and there, but it's just nice to be on vacation. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Definitely. While you were gone, we uh we did talk a little bit about games. Not we, um as much as I thought we would. <laughs> we didn't burn the place down. No. Well, it's that's still good standing. To know, I guess. You know, um, but vacation time when you stay home uh, for that end of the year holiday season ends up busier than we expected. We did find a little bit of time to talk about what we thought we enjoyed most about 2018. There was like a little bit of discussion about why we thought uh, maybe saying that we knew the best game of the year wasn't the right thing to do. But say, Mm. what did what did we walk out of 2018 having enjoyed the most? And uh that kind of landed us on get a switch and get into the breach, but I thought you should definitely weigh in because, okay, excluding just touring Southeast Asia for 21 plus days. <laughs> right. Like I you're was not... going to say, I already talked about the best thing I did this yeah, year. Yeah. But... Let's, let's not fair really on the scale we'll, that we were talking about. <laughs> we'll hold it to the, to the gaming stuff that I did. Doesn't have to, year. you know, that I was thinking that it was kind of sad that we both came up with gaming things because maybe next year we have to do a gaming thing and like a movie thing or something because we do a lot of multimedia on here, you know, we, do. But we did in 2018 from, so. It's true. Um, Stranger you know, I really Things did done. Enjoy seeing, there you go. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Stranger Things this year. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the Avengers, all that stuff. Um, but I think my favorite moment was probably getting that really good, almost perfect Dead Cells run, where you finally beat the last boss for the first time. You get like you have the exact trap you want. You have the the turret that you like and the bow and your sword is the one that you like the best. And you just, all the things finally click and you have just gotten, you know, you're like whipping your way through all the early levels. You finally get to that last guy. You've died on it a million times. Cause that's, that's what happens in that game. And you're just like, okay, <laughs> this time I finally have it. And you actually kill him for the first time. That was probably my favorite thing. Just like that moment. You're just like, yes, I finally figured this game out. I got it. And then you start the next running. I just, uh, I just had that moment. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just uh, at the end of, I think Friday. Wow. I, uh, I beat the the hand of the king for the first time. Yeah, congratulations, man. That feels Thank good, you. right? It does. It does feel good. I'm curious. We sidetrack ourselves here a little more. We uh, should try sidetrackers. This is a gaming podcast. Was, uh, so they've rebalanced a lot of stuff since I stopped, or since I had that moment. I want, I'm curious what your loadout, what your build was that you used or you So I, I read some advice that balance, trying to build a balanced character is kind of your enemy in trying to make a deep run. And so I saw a suggestion that I thought I may as well try it to dump every uh, skill point you could into tactics 
so that basically your traps wind up overpowered and then try and get a colorless weapon since they scale with whatever your highest stat is. Yeah, the colorless stuff is super important. And so that's what I wound up with. I think I had the... I want to say I had the lightning skill, which scales with tactics. And then I had a colorless sword, uh, one of the one of the fast swords. And then two... Uh, I had the same trap. Two sinew slicers. Uh, sounds like you took that- a somewhat... Uh, I don't know the game, obviously, as I haven't played it, but that sounds like an aggressive build or no? Are the sinew slicers the ones that are like the the grindy gears on the ground that just damage them and they bleed slowly or are uh, they... they're the ones that like they fire tiny ninja star looking things. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And they also do a little bit of bleeding though, right? Yes. Yeah. They cause bleeding damage. Yeah. I and think so dropping, dropping two of those at once and just letting them tear through everything. Uh, I think my preferred build was pretty similar to yours. Uh, it would be like mostly tactics and then you you pick a little bit of the other ones when the HP bonus gets too good to ignore. Right. You're like, oh, I get 5% damage or 20% hit points. Okay, well, I'll take 20% now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you get one <laughs> of the, the red-green and you don't have tactics as an option. Right, yeah, totally. Uh, and the I, I tried to prefer weapons that had the minus damage received on them rather than okay. ones that had... Uh, I didn't use the shields, although I've heard from people that if you get good at parrying, the shields are super broken. Yes, I I've, I saw some runs. You know, I looked up a couple of, of people running the game after beating it, and they all seem to use the shields. Yeah, I could never figure out the timing. Um, but I did like those sinew slicers and the... Uh, it was one of the arrow ones. Either the double crossbow one that shot both directions, or... I forget. Another one that shot arrows also. Um, okay. And yeah, you load up on tactics, you just make sure those are always doing something, and then you try and get your hits in where you can. Um, yeah, really cool. I just, I loved that feeling. You know, you get one of those, like, a sword that's normally like a uh, brutality and uh, what's survival, is that the green one? I think uh, yes. You know, you, you get a weapon that's normally those two colors, but you're all stacked in tactics. You're like, ah, I want this, but oh, it's colorless. So then now it scales with that anyway, even though you don't have any uh, points in it or whatever. And it's always really cool. Anyway, that game is great. Um, I have heard that they are like rebalancing literally everything in it. So possibly all our advice is useless (laughs) Um, by the time that comes out. I don't actually know when that's happening. I don't think the advice of saying that beating that game is the best thing of the year for you or the best moment of the oh, year no, for no, you. No. Like, oh, it doesn't yeah. take away from that. Yeah, because no, no, it's not like they're going to make the game easier. Yeah, and to be fair, like that, beating it the first time is not even really that, I don't know, it's a run-based game. There isn't really an end, but that's not the like ultimate end of that game. There's still more you can do beyond that. Sure. That's like so, uh, JJ, FTL and all those other games. Yeah, it has the boss cells mode where you get more stuff <laughs> yes, JJ, i have to ask you if you experienced the other side of the coin and i don't know you know which build of it you wound up you last played but even in the current build there are a couple of spots still where you can get stuck hmm. and can't get out so there was one spot i was i was having a great run um felt really good about it had a, a great loadout and wound up falling down into a section. I don't even remember which one of the, which one of the areas I was in now, but you have to have to be able to hit the button to open the door to get back out. You have to have the rune that you get from beating the hand of the king, which I had not done yet. Oh, hmm. And so I did a quick Google search for how do you get out of this area? And all of the results were sorry, hit restart. Oh, Dang. no. No, that never happened to me. That's Most rough. of the times, I would say actually the vast majority of the times I died was because I was either trying to rush through stuff to get some of those speed run doors, or I got dumb fighting an elite or something when yeah. I didn't really need to be fighting an elite and it overwhelmed me, or like I aggroed more guys while I was running away and got murdered generally my fault nice 
Well, uh, I think that can be combined with our other advice because I think Dead Cells is on the Switch. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, there you go. If you have a Switch and you can play Dead Cells on it, you should do that because Dead Cells is a really good game. And then you can get <laughs> into the breach. Both yeah. on the Switch. I don't know if that sale has ended. Uh, they had a sale going on a lot of those games. I don't know if Dead Cells was part of it. I do know that Into the Breach was part of it, but uh, yeah. Oh man, well there has there has been some I don't know recent news. And Michael, I think that you wanted to lead us off on this one. Yeah, that, that's so, been kind of going on. Yeah, yeah. We're well, this will lead into it. I saw this as a headline today. Um, I know you guys both have, uh, both have switches and I think that you are both fans of humble bundles. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. How would you feel about being able to get Nintendo games through the humble store? Digital games? Undoubtedly, because that's all yes. they sell there. <laughs> uh, I have complicated feelings about digital games after this weekend. This is part of the uh, the whole segment we're working on. I guess it's a good thing overall. Yeah. I they mean, just just today announced a partnership. I think that generally more storefronts that offer competitive uh, services and stuff is good. You know, in general, that makes prices go down and all that stuff. Um, sure. I question whether Humble Bundle would actually be able to sell. Nintendo Nintendo games uh, or whether they're just going to be selling like indie games that are also on Nintendo Plus. This is a Nintendo agreement. Let me give you the rundown of what's currently available, JJ. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Okay. Both Pokemon Let's Go, Mm -hmm. Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Party, Mario Kart 8, Mario Tennis Aces. What are the prices on those though? Standard pricing? So they're standard pricing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I imagine uh that price won't dip very much or at all the same way that Nintendo's of other prices also don't dip. But I mean, hey, great, I guess. More ways to get those games for people. That's you know, you don't have to it, only buy digital through Amazon or the Nintendo store now, I guess. Yeah, yep. I, I that's good. I generally feel um, you know, I I usually think that store more storefronts is good. Why do you say usually? Because I don't like when people do anti-competitive things. Uh huh. So so we're talking about a few different possibilities here. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, am talking about the Epic Games Store, which that also came out over this break. Launched while you were gone. In fact, I it think. Did. Yeah. Yeah. We did a little uh, little thing on that. They, uh, a developer that I really like, uh, uh, Super Giant Games, uh, launched their new game in early access on the Epic Games Store. Exclusively. Who is Super Giant Games? What do they make? I don't remember. Uh, They have made Bastion and Transistor. Okay. And I think there was another game who I forget. It was like basketball something. I don't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, they've made great games in the past. I really love their art style and stuff. Uh, their new game, Hades, is a run-based kind of little game, um, but it's in early access on the Epic Games Store. Uh, and it seems that the Epic Games Store, uh, for you know whatever reasons, uh, has kind of... I don't want the... The popular term is money hat, but I don't think that's a good term because it's pretty pejorative and doesn't really explain what's going on here. But it seems they've made exclusivity agreements with other titles that had previously promised to come out other places and now are not doing that possibly for some exclusive period of time, but who knows? Well, I know that they were doing, if you have the unreal engine, you don't have to pay. Right. That Uh, is also an anti-competitive thing because who controls the unreal engine? They do. But I mean, that's their, that's their prerogative, right? (laughs) Like, I don't understand Uh, how that's anti-competitive. They, they're not paying a fee. Because they're paying a different fee? I don't know. They are uh, using their market share and leverage against other storefronts in a way that those storefronts have no way to compete. Okay. Um, Similarly, I don't like exclusivity agreements for the same reasons, because I think people should just sell their stuff wherever they want to and let, you know, the... Let the consumers decide which storefront they like best based on what the storefront itself offers, not on whether 
Epic has an engine deal with these people, and so they run it through their store because they get more money. Can I make a devil's advocate argument that you can uh, you can challenge? Sure. Is an exclu- isn't an exclusivity agreement the same thing as PS4 only, Switch only, etc.? Uh, in some of those cases, those companies received money from those platforms to make the game like they funded the development okay uh which is different right than just saying i'm paying you to not release your game on other platforms but if you but are using the unreal engine you're kind of getting money and then not paying for it because you're on that store then you're basically doing the same thing no uh I mean, I guess to be clear, I don't like when it's exclusive only to consoles either. I agree. It's also uh, not good there. I like, agree, I, but... It's bad there also. And it what didn't used to be like that on the PC. It was kind of just an open marketplace, and now it is yeah. less like that. And that's the part that I don't like. Well, I, I kind of agree, but I've also heard some arguments recently about uh, exclusivity agreements essentially providing better quality in games because then the developers, the head developers, or the console owners or whatever are putting more money out and they have to one up the other exclusives. Right. So it's a weird world to live in. And and especially because they have their engine involved in their store it makes it much more palatable in a way, like for them to demand, not demand maybe, but uh, it it makes it less palatable to me. That's, that's gross. They're wielding their power of like here. You don't have to use the unreal engine. But, like, why wouldn't you take more money? They're using a a business thing that no one else can do to get to take their choice away from consumers to put it on their thing so that they stay in their ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, again, devil's advocate like. because, obviously, it doesn't sit well with most people. But uh. And, you know, I would care less if their storefront had similar features to the other you know the market leader let's say steam Mm -hmm. uh but it doesn't and they are intentionally removing features because they say that's what developers want well they aren't they catering to customers it's a store right it's not so who's the customer of their store is it the developer because it sounds like that's what they're aiming at in in that case, well, then why would I ever shop there? They're not aiming at me. I'm the customer. So that's the part that really gets me the most about that place. Um, you know, and then they're giving away free games and stuff, which is a tactic many other storefronts have used. Um, you know, I can't fault them for that. Hey, free games are free, man. Um, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way, that whole situation. What would have rubbed you the right way for them to start their own store, just overall? Start a store that's just a store with no advantage over anybody else? Well, I mean, they would never have done it if that was what they were going to do, right? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen different features, something new, right? Do something different, right? Mm-hmm. This is not, they're not doing anything different. In fact, they're doing the same thing, but worse than the current platform. But, you know, through other reasons, now they have things that the other platform now can't have, which sucks. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, if you're going to compete, compete on features or something rather than on games. Well, like one product, one benefit maybe of having the Epic Store and other stores opening up. Uh, something Michael and I saw this weekend actually was something that is gaining steam, and I don't mean that as a pun, but it does affect steam the most. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Review bombing. Have you heard about this? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, so people that don't know uh, what a review bombing is, so let's say uh, a popular game goes in and makes a very small edit to itself to uh, change language or something like that. Like uh, they got some complaints that they didn't like the fact that they used, you know, bad language or something. And as a developer, they said, you know what, it wasn't necessary. So we went in and we removed all the bad language. Okay, well. Someone on the internet gets upset about that because they, you know, feel slighted or something and they pay a bunch of people or convince a bunch of other people to go out and buy the game to then just play an hour and then uh, post a bad review on Steam. Yep, Uh, it's certainly a problem. Steam is uh, extremely vulnerable to that because a lot of the Steam algorithms that show 
whether your game is easy to see on the store or based on the review scores. Uh, so that's like a particularly bad flaw of how Steam does things. Uh, and that sucks. Like, people shouldn't do that anyway just because you're like, you know, express your actual opinion, right? If right. you play the game and you don't like it, that's fine. Say that you don't like it. If they make a change that you don't like, well, there are better ways to express that you don't like the change they made than to go and say you hate the whole game. Well, so as as Steam is now vulnerable to this type of stuff and doesn't seem to have any chance of stopping it or any built-in way to uh, you know prevent these types of quote-unquote bombings of the They don't reviews. seem to be interested in doing non-automated curation. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely the key way to put that. Um, and the waning influence of sites like GameSpot for, you know, the Steam store or Metacritic, you know, maybe it's better to have a couple different options out there with stores that have, you know, cause you could, well, what's the reviews on the Epic store say, or what's the reviews on the, cause eventually the, the people won't be able to keep up monetarily of, you know, tanking reviews on every platform. Sure. Uh, there are already very many storefronts you could go to. There's um, Green Man Gaming, Win Game Store, no, uh, GOG. There's like tons of other storefronts out there on the internet that'll sell you download codes. Mm -hmm. um, I know you didn't mean it this way, but you were talking about reviews. Uh, you know, the Epic Store doesn't have reviews. They are opt-in by the owner of the game who is releasing it. They can choose to allow reviews or not. So you can guess that every game on the Epic Store is going to have great reviews, and then every other game won't have reviews at all, so it will have great reviews. <laughs> That's a pretty garbage way to run that system. So, you know, but I know that wasn't your point, but uh, I, I agree. There should be more, like having more storefronts and more competition is good. I just wish it was fair competition. Since we're on digital storefronts, should we talk about and you talked about Humble already, right? And they're offering digital codes, and yeah. ooh, that's great. Uh, that is cool. Like, well, I, I mean, Michael it brings up the, a good point. It's awesome that digital codes being more available for Nintendo systems is good. I'm sorry to cut you off there. What were you trying to say? Oh no, no, that was. I was just like, it's great. I'm. That's like a really cool piece of news, especially since it's kind of hard to get digital Nintendo codes, as far as I can tell. Amazon has some. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they were the first digital storefront, I think, outside of Nintendo. Um, I have a bone to pick, maybe, with the future of gaming here. Um, and it starts with a news story this week and ends with something I noticed over the break. So follow my logic here for a second. First problem, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, Lego, were removed overnight from yeah, all digital it. storefronts yep. with no warning. Uh, and that happens uh, not infrequently uh, from digital storefronts, usually due to licensing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm guessing uh, the Lego... You're talking about the Lego ones, right? Correct, yes. The Lego uh, Lord of the Rings games. I assume Lego lost the license or the developer or somebody. Yeah. Um, I was just double-checking to make sure, yes, I have those games. I'm good. So you say that now. I have those games. I'm good, right? Uh mm -hmm. What happens when the Epic Game Store or another game store finally comes along and to set themselves apart to developers, they say, guess what? Our terms of service say that if you pull the license, the people that are on our platform lose access to the game. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad. Uh, you would hope at that point, if that happened, the people on that platform would never, ever, ever buy anything from them ever again yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but it reminds me of the constant bickering that is involved with uh, when you get into that scenario right where they just disappear reappear disappear reappear um, the constant like cable company you're gonna lose Fox and all these other channels starting on blah and it oh, happens yeah. every single year and yep. uh, yeah yeah uh, it's it's pretty garbage I really don't think that we're excited for that existence, but uh, part two of my noticing of interesting digital storefront stories over the break 
sales. Nintendo especially didn't really used to have a ton of sales, so to speak, uh, on their games. Especially, like, in the physical form, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've noticed their Switch platform has quite a few sales. Uh, Mario and Rabbids and a bunch of other ones were deeply discounted on their digital store when they were not deep, deeply discounted physically, really, after Black Friday or so. Do you guys think that there's maybe a coming future here where finally the sales on digital will start to poach physical sales enough that people will not make? physical games anymore i mean we're, we're we've entered the future we thought about right where digital games have taken over uh, you shop on steam basically exclusively if you want a pc game you don't go to a store anymore right or gog or any of these other platforms i have you don't you don't shop at a physical location i have not purchased a physical game disc for a pc game in years right yeah uh right. And consoles are attempting very strongly, it would seem, to join that future. You know, that's similar to what people were saying at the beginning of this generation of consoles when the Xbox One and the PS4 were coming out. They Mm -hmm. were talking a lot about, oh, download only and always online and all this stuff. Uh, I think, you know, it's certainly trending in that direction, but... The realities of internet in the United States is such that the there are still too many people who don't have good access to high-quality, high-speed broadband that download will never work for certain segments of the population here. And then that will encourage people to always have some amount of physical games be produced. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they will maintain price parity with the online stuff, as you see, seems like that's kind of dying. Uh, and, you know, I... I think that will probably be the way that it is, but I don't really see physical games as a medium completely going away. Um, but who knows? I've been wrong before. So, well, so what would happen then when, let's say, because you're the way you're Nintendo and the way that Nintendo works is your games are tied to your Switch, right? Mm-hmm. They've poached so many sales. Uh, you've bought a bunch of phys- digital games, then they've taken the rights away, and your Switch breaks. How do you get your games back? The same way you got them back when you had this exact same problem on the 3DS or the 2DS or the DS or the DS Lite or any of those other consoles, Andrew. Uh, Yeah, but you didn't have this problem because you bought them on physical cartridge. One would oh, hope. But they had they had digital storefronts there. You should have sure. bought them digitally. And what <laughs> happened? And what happened to those games? Gonski? They were, they were gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like this has been a bad month for digital storefronts. The Epic Store, the the licensing problems that have happened towards the end of year, the sales only on digital. It's not been a good PR month for digital storefronts. And I, I'm glad we got into it a little bit. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Uh, I just want to say one thing. This is... Like, you can lay that entire problem directly at Nintendo's feet. It really has nothing to do with digital storefronts in general, because the other consoles don't have this problem. The PC doesn't have this problem either. It's just Nintendo products that work that way. Okay. Well, but... So, that is... You can just say, hey, Nintendo, why don't you change your stuff to not work like that? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, snap your hands. You know, it's obviously more, way more complicated than that, but (laughs) the problem fixes itself, right? They could fix it. They choose not to. Sure. Um which is lame extremely lame <laughs> don't break your switch <laughs> don't or buy cartridges yeah certainly you know i i uh i can say that i only own one digital game on my switch which i got for free as part of a kickstarter so into the breach <clears throat> no nope. because they don't make a cart no that's the only one that i i owned it oh yeah my jokes <laughs> jj what Hello. Hello. Uh, I think that we got to round it out a little bit. And uh, we we talked about the last episode while the last episode while you were gone. What game maybe you were looking forward to in 2019? Hmm. I will say that I right now 
Uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to is being able to dig into Pillars of Eternity 2. Ooh. Uh, I think I think all the DLC has come out for that, uh, which I owned since I backed that Kickstarter. Nice. Uh, and I I think the game is out and patched and all that stuff. So I I'm looking forward to playing that this year. Beautiful. That's another one of those epic RPGs. And then I think there's a bunch of BattleTech DLC. There. Well, uh, that too. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> in a hot minute, not a direct minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Oh man. Well, that I think that kind of wraps up our like end of 2018, beginning of 2019. JJ's finally back with us on the pod. We can get back to the business of business. Uh looking forward, we've got let's see, component classes to do. We've got some games to talk about. I know uh there's going to be homeownering coming in 2019 as well. Uh probably some 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 games maybe that we play to talk about BattleTech's Flashpoint at least some of us have played and more of us will have played by the time we talk about it yeah yeah we'll set that as a goal um i like it there's a lot coming here at we were gamers this year uh, maybe by the time this airs a few of the episodes will be up on youtube ooh it will happen this year the youtube channel will be populated very soon. Um, and what I was excited about when I went in there to start doing this, by the way, it's a little behind the scenes production minutes end the show. We can finally do things like, hey, if you're interested in component class, go to YouTube and play the playlist. Ooh, smart. Right? Very smart. Right? Uh, things like that. You know, Agent Zero Cool gets his own playlist. That sort of thing. Nice. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Welcome back, buddy. Good to be back. I missed you guys too. All right. Well, then now you're back. You have to do the. You have to do the thing. If well, you if remember, you wanna, <laughs> if, if you, you want to contact us, the place is podcast at wewergamers dot com. An email address. I will absolutely reply to it and tell you about stuff uh, from Southeast Asia. If you want to know, uh, we are on Instagram at wewergamers, Facebook dot uh, com slash wewergamers, Twitter at in- wewergamers. Did I forget any? Yeah. Hey, look around it. the internet for We Were Gamers. Yeah, look, look up We Were Gamers on <laughs> because we got a lot of those accounts. We'll eventually use all of them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, reminder, real quick, as we end the show, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick is going right now. Take a peek over there. Maybe donate some money to the Prevent Cancer Foundation if you can afford it. We don't ask people uh, for Patreons yet on this show. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my. Uh no, I but so I'm not saying people need to spend money that they don't have or whatever, you know what I mean? But uh but it's a good cause and speedrunning is awesome in the uh vein of watching it. I don't think I would ever get into it. But but yeah, that's going on right now. That's good. Right? No? It's not good? Yeah. Okay. Go check it out. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, JJ. Yes. So you'll be buying um, what is the Epic's next game on their yeah. show? On their uh, they have the, they announced that big new game on their platform, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>